Hello, good day, and welcome to another edition of the Arena Craft Podcast, a show dedicated exclusively to Magic the Gathering Arena. I'm one of your hosts, Arjuna. I'm joined today by CGB. You're watching this on his channel, if you're watching this, so he needs no introduction. You're listening to the Arena Craft Podcast, so he may need an introduction, but anyway, I am with Kovac Go Blue, the other host of the podcast. How are you doing today, CGB? I'm doing really well, and I want to give props to all of the crafties who listened to five, somewhere between five and six hours <laughs> oh of us God. reading and ranting and raving it desperate raving about Strixhaven. I, I, I've gotten a lot of messages about those podcasts, but um, the cool thing, I think, whatever you have to say, whatever your, your opinion is on Strixhaven, I record numbers of people are watching the podcast on YouTube now. Like, yes. a, a tremendous amount. It's incredible to see. Yes, it, it warms my heart. It warms every part of me that is able to feel good that y'all show up and watch the podcast uh, it's really cool. And I love just skimming the comments as well. You know, like the feedback is one of the things that keeps me going as a content creator. So that is just super awesome. You guys are cool. CGB says it every day. And I just want to just add a little bit of extra wind in those sails because it really is true. It really is. It's it's good to share it with somebody else too. Like it's it's just very exciting in general. So yeah. And and today today we're going to talk a lot Sorry, sorry. I you gave me a little bit of host power that one time, and now I'm like jumping Dude, guns. Take it but away, man. Today we finally get to talk about putting some of those cards, some of which I was very down on, quite frankly, into action. And I think what I have to say, I haven't talked to you about it yet, but I think what I have to say is going to surprise people. Awesome. Well, that is fantastic. I think a lot of what I have to say will not be that surprising to people, so <laughs> we can we can kind of meet in the middle there. Um, first, I did just want to quickly read off a lightning round question before we get into it, because, you know, we have to put those on pause when things get really busy to just uh, leave some space for other stuff. But I want you guys to remember that we do still do this, and I don't want them to, I don't want the questions to go kind of unconsidered, right, or forgotten. So this week, we have a question from uh, Maud in the ArenaCraft Discord, Symphonias, and Symphonias asks, uh, would be very interested in hearing opinions on the pre-releases being discontinued. So this dovetails into something we wanted to talk about a little bit on the beginning of the show anyway. So yeah, so thanks for asking that question, Symphonias. I know a lot of people were probably having the same question. And I mean, a lot of content creators have actually been asking themselves the same question. Now, I just I do want to highlight that uh, CGB released a very, very well thought out and well informed response to why this is happening. So if you want like a kind of a deep dive on it, uh, and I, I basically agree with everything CGB said on that video, I would highly recommend that you just go and watch the video because, you know, we, we're not going to do a very good job of summarizing that here necessarily. Um, but yeah, quickly, CGB, just, I don't know, like, what's what's kind of on your mind about this in the moment? It was incredibly kind of surprising, and I, wouldn't, I won't say painful. I, wanna, I don't want to be overly dramatic, but, like, it, it put a lot of trepidation in me. It stung a bit. Everything about it was a feels bad. And I think the hardest part that is to put into words when you're trying to make content 
when there are things just lingering about it that are out of your control that are depressing, it makes it really hard to make content. I mean, trying to get hyped up to make Strixhaven content was getting was you know you could just kind of feel like oh these cards aren't quite eldraine so i was very nervous about it but then when the content creator thing happened it was like man i just can't think of what i'm gonna say when i turn on a camera tomorrow which is a whole it's a whole different kind of stress if you've been there you know when when you have a feels bad that sucks out your passion for something you love to do and you're a content creator like you could take the day off. I'm sure nobody would blame you, but we have a lot of fans and I want to show up for the fans. I want to be a, I want to be a rock in a stormy sea or whatever it is. I want to be there for them. So it was really hard for a few days to make content. And I was very worried about if the support would be there. That was something I talked a lot about in my video. Those days, those early access events were such huge days um, for generating income as a streamer. I was scared that it wouldn't replicate. Yeah, but... I mean, I just want to interject, but mm-hmm. those those early access streams have consistently been your best attended streams, right? Oh, not close. Yeah. I So for numbers talk, for those out there, uh, this year I've been doing very well on Twitch. I'm very happy to have between 400 and 600 viewers on most average streams. A typical stream, which is awesome because I streamed to less than 100 people for two years. Um, but on early access, that number just explodes. And the each one had been getting bigger and bigger. I've had three now that were over 2,000 average uh, viewers on that day, which is it's crazy. Monstrous. That's awesome. And I, yeah, I didn't know if it would repeat. I didn't know if I could duplicate those results if we didn't have early access to the account, you know, as well as the big release set feel where your content creators might battle each other at any moment. Your favorite content creator might get paired against your other favorite content creator. You and I have battled in this event, you know, and and it's memorable. It feels awesome. And without that, I didn't know what would happen. And I can tell you here today that it was... The amount of support I received, both because of the video I think I made and because of the trying to make it into a big event, uh, it was a lot. Like, it was very reassuring that we don't necessarily need early access if we can put on a good show. So I feel really great about it now. But if you had asked me this two days ago, I like I didn't know how to feel and I didn't know what I was going to do. Yeah, I mean, CGB early access is what brought you and me together. So, oh yeah. If it hadn't been for the early yeah. access event, I mean, I probably would have stumbled upon your stream, but who knows? Maybe I wouldn't have, you know? So, I feel like early access is a it's a special time in the magic Twitch world, and it really is a like it's a time when people go to streams they wouldn't ordinarily go to. It's a time mm-hmm. when people are bouncing around streams the way they wouldn't ordinarily do. It's just I feel like the vibe has been like the kids who get the college for a weekend or something, you know, and they're just like running around through the dorms and partying and everyone's got some different music playing. And it's just like, it's cool. Everything's cool. Such a, it's such a moment of goodwill in the community. Yeah. I was, I was sad to see that go because so, okay. So personally I was very sad because Mm -hmm. it is my favorite time to stream. Anyone, you know, who follows me knows that I don't stream regularly i I stream often but i don't have like set times that i stream 
But those early access streams are like definitely my favorite streams of the year. And they're consistently my highest performing streams. And we just have a lot of fun. And, you know, a lot of viewers have told me like, that's the time when I watch you stream is those early access events. So for me, losing them was personally pretty painful. And like you were saying, motivationally, it was pretty painful. And honestly, I just had a moment where my heart, my heart was just like bleeding for the magic community. And frankly, like for wizards, I just had a, a moment of just like, you know, when you see someone making a, like a terrible mistake and you just, you yeah. don't even feel mad. You just feel sad, you know? And you can't help them. Yeah. They're not going to listen to you. Exactly. They're not going to. Yeah, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. That was my overwhelming feeling was just like, oh, damn. I don't know if you guys know how you're hurting yourself right now. Yeah. <clears throat> so that like was the overwhelming feeling that I had. There are any number of reasons why they made this decision. I'm sure that money in the bottom line was involved. I'm sure that staffing was part of the decision. Um, but I really just, I really do think it was a poor business decision for them to make. And so I'm a little bit sad about that. But, you know, having said that, Magic is definitely moving in new directions and they're definitely thinking about the future of the product and they definitely have a plan. And that plan, I'm sure, is based on numbers. And so I think Magic will be doing just fine. Yeah, I don't know. That 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 was it for me more than anything else. It was just sadness. Yep. Feeling better now about it, though. Like, to be honest, it it, it was there. It was painful. I'm a little... I'm kind of... I'm not over it in a way that I don't want to talk about it. I could do this all episode, which we won't. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I I am uh, excited for what comes next. There's a lot more content to be made. Indeed. So that's a fantastic segue. And now we're going to talk about Strixhaven in both Standard and Historic. So I'm going to be straight up with you, CGB. The moment the set released, I was just glued to Historic. So yeah, I'm really, I'm actually really glad that you're a standard specialist because you're definitely going to be responsible for carrying the knowledge for all of our standard players on the podcast today. Hey, 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 we're supposed to make it like we planned this, you know, <laughs> here with your historic expert, Arjuna, your standard expert, CGB, you know, the best of both worlds. This is the plan. We knew that this was going to happen. Uh, it, it, that's the thing. We didn't even have to plan it because it just it just kind of panned. We knew it would pan out that way. So let's start with standard CGB. I want to hear about... Okay, so the elephant in the room, right? Wait, let's just talk about the elephant in the room is that spoiler season, there was basically a consensus that this set is not looking like a strong set for standard specifically. And, you know, I think that that is for good reason in a lot of ways. It's it's hopefully a sign that the fire era of magic set development is coming to a close and that the experiment of just printing ridiculous sets like Eldraine is over, at least for now. We can hope. And so if it takes a couple of Strixhavens to make that transition, I'm all here for it. I'm super here for it. But uh, I don't know, CGB, it sounds like you are finding some diamonds in the rough. So I'd love to hear about what you've been experiencing in Standard so far. Yeah, I'm learning a lot playing Standard the last couple days. And again, a lot of people are into Historic, like really into Historic because of the Mystical Archive. So I don't feel like as many people are looking at Standard. And because of that, I don't feel like many people are seeing what I'm seeing. So mm. it's kind of blowing my mind. But I've got a few things where it's like, all right, I totally missed this. Uh, 
I totally missed just how synergy-driven some of these potential decks are and what happens when you combine some of those things. And a lot of that centers around Magecraft. Mm. The ability on Magecraft to trigger when you copy a spell is surprisingly strong Hmm. and surprisingly effective. And I think that it was almost like, I feel like I didn't evaluate it at all because how often are spells copied? I think the most I've ever seen spells get copied was Lucky Clover, which is no longer legal. Mm -hmm. Oh God, if it was. That would just be filthy. Um, But but like Lucky Clover was the most experience I ever had with a card that was cheap, heavily played in the meta, and just copied a lot of spells. You would see something get copied occasionally by Expansion Explosion, but normally it was just an is it thing that was normally janky, quite honestly. Yeah. Right? Would you agree with that? Yeah, or like a combo, right? Like a very combo-focused right. deck. Yep. So now, every time I see like Magecraft on a card, I'm like, well, that's more of an is it thing. But it's not anymore. Mm. Uh, in this set, there's kind of a ridiculous amount of ways to pop off with copying or recasting spells in colors that are not Prismari. Um, the the two I'm thinking of the most right now are the white aggro decks with Clever Lumamancer. Oh, that's, Those, seeing, that's seeing play in standard? Yeah. Sick. It's also very good oh okay Um, i'm stoked to hear about this oh it's it's a very good white deck so i'm going to try to introduce you to to feather uh 2.0 here and uh, just lay out some of the cards so clever lumen mancer the magecraft card when you copy an instant or sorcery or cast one plus two plus two until end of turn you combine that with really cheap effects like defiant strike and fight as one you probably saw that coming like that's probably not that's that's level one for the deck yeah Okay, a few things that you may not have seen coming. Guiding Voice. This is one white sorcery common. Put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. Learn. Yeah, I don't think we even looked at that in our set review. We did not. Mm -hmm. And this card is definitely not a joke when you're playing it early and you have learn. Like, the getting (laughs) learn cards actually works really well. Um, and for the most part, you're just getting academic probation. So something can't block or they can't play their spell. Right. And it's triggering so it's the magecraft lo- again. It's giving your Lumamancer another shot, another attack. It's yeah. Okay. I'm feeling it. Oh, I'm yeah. feeling it. All right. Um, so then we have Leonin light scribe. Do you remember discussing this one in a white two, two cat cleric? Yes. I, okay. I, I had high hopes for that card because it's uh-huh. just a very powerful card, right? Yep, and it doesn't look like it passes the Bone Crusher Giant test, but it does if you have any one mana spell available when you play it. Right. So and the trick is you just don't cast it on two. It, yep. Yeah. So and yeah, you play Lumamancer, you play a spell, and then hold up a mana, something to interact, and then you play this on three. You're just holding up spells like all game because almost any spell outscales their removal or makes their removal inefficient. Yeah. And you once you have several of these going, you have cards like Show of Confidence, which is the one that storms off. When you cast it, it, it's one in a white instant. When you cast it, copy it for each other instant or sorcery you've cast. You may choose new targets, and it's plus one, plus one counter in Vigilance. The plus one, plus one counter in Vigilance is nice. It's really about, like, you play this card, and because it says copy, your Magecraft effects go insane mm. if you even cast one other spell. Because it adds a copy to the stack, and all of a sudden, you've already gained plus seven 
plus seven to your Lumamancer, and then add another like plus three plus three to all your creatures from a Light Scribe. Like that's, yeah, that's so much power and toughness. Bonkers. And if they survive all that, Mavinda, the freaking friendly owl, Tootsie Pop card, student's advocate, <laughs> comes down and okay. just keeps playing these protection spells from the graveyard every turn cycle. So every turn cycle, your creatures are huge. Your cards are defended because it also runs a Sajiri shelter to protect your creatures. Yeah, It's so much... And, I mean, when they have nothing to do, they're casting Defiant Strike and drawing more cards. They're casting Guiding Voice and learning more academic probations to lock you out of more plays. I'm trying a version that has Speaker of Heavens and Light of Hope. If you can picture just getting to cast Light of Hope twice and then pop off making angels. Just, yeah, yeah, that sounds real. Yeah, that is a real deck. And it basically is Magecraft the deck in Mono White, something that I didn't predict I saw yeah. the cards, but every single time I read Instant or Sorcery on Magecraft, I thought, like, this has to be some kind of a blue spell deck. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. And I want to, like, th- I'm, I'm kind of, you can cut right in on me. Do you have anything before I jump into another Magecraft deck well, that is not blue? I think I was just going to say, I love how Learn, like, an Instant or Sorcery that has Learn on it to go and get another Instant or Sorcery Again, it's not genius if the cards you're getting aren't, like if the cards you're casting and the cards you're getting aren't particularly great, but it sure is genius if you have multiple Magecraft cards on the table, right? So Mm -hmm. I think that that is something that we both kind of missed is like, what if we have a couple Magecraft cards on the table? What if we just play a bunch of really cheap learn spells, which go and get other cheap spells? And, you know, we're just like getting this compounding interest basically on everything that we're casting. And yeah, I mean, that's really strong. Yeah, if Speaker of the Heavens and Light of Hope aren't for you, you can just play the adventure cards, Fairy, Guide Mother, and Giant Killer. Oh my goodness, you can just get your Magecraft triggers that way. It's 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 very strong dude. fairy guide mother is gas man i was playing with that card a lot with intoski decks before the the new set mm-hmm. that that card is not a joke man especially oh. in an aggressive deck that's just trying to kill you that card with yeah. clever lumamancer is a very Redonkulous. cheap way to hit somebody harder than a lovestruck beast can yeah yeah it's impressive yeah that's like a Mack so, truck yeah so this deck i think Either in mono-white or possibly in black-white. I saw Crokey's playing black-white all day today, uh, working on a clever Lumamancer, Village Rights uh, kind of deck, uh, Clarion Spirit, right? Nice. Looking, it does not... Like, these are Magecraft decks. They really are fueled by the mechanic, but they don't play blue, which I think was just something I could not get my head around just reading the cards. Here's another one. Witherbloom. Green-black. Sacrifice magecraft it you have to forget everything that you know about the green about the sacrifice aristocrats decks that we play right now to get to this deck but when you do it's insane so here's a few of the all-stars in it ready do you know what i twitch does no no idea i twitch is literally spelled i twitch one word i twitch it is a creature i bat one black one one flying when it dies learn Mm, okay Nice. So, so you sack it, get your learn yep. trigger. It's a really, just a really simple card. Mm-hmm. And when you say to yourself, "Well, learn is just underpowered and lame," it doesn't 
sound like anything. This deck also runs four copies of Hunt for Specimens, one in a black, create a 1-1 green-black pest, learn. Mm. It's that simple. Because mm-hmm. what we want to do is spend the whole early turn learning and casting pest summoning from the sideboard. We just want a board with like several creatures. And the way that we pop off on in this deck, we have Bastion of Remembrance, four of those. We also have four Lovestruck Beasts, because why not? We have a million one ones. Now, r- remind but, everyone, including me, what Bastion of Remembrance does. Oh, yeah. This is kind of a forgotten card from Ikoria. Two and a black enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 one, one white human soldier token. Whenever a creature you control dies, oh, yeah. each opponent loses one life, and you gain one life. Yeah, that card can get real nasty real quick. Yep. yep. So our Magecraft cards are Wither Bloom Apprentice, the black and a green 2-2 that has Magecraft that drains. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. And then Segmore Witch, which is the 3-2 Menace for 3 that has Magecraft make a pest. And so far, none of this sounds overwhelming, right? Yep. All of this they is just fine. Mm-hmm. It's just magic. You're probably going to do a lot of value. Whatever. If everything goes perfectly, you might win a game. The card is Plum the Forbidden. Yeah, man. People have been talking about this card, right? Because, and again, I think what I missed about this card is that when you copy a spell, you get that other Magecraft trigger, right? Yep. So, yeah. So, exactly. Because when I was looking at that card, I was just thinking about the effect, you know, which Mm -hmm. is you get more draw, you get more card draw, stuff like that, whatever, which is that's fine but when but when again when you're also getting the value off of all of those copies yeah that's pretty bonkers so the way that this goes if say that you have four creatures like mm-hmm. two pests a hunt for the specimen pest and an eye twitch right say you have mm-hmm. four critters on the board and you cast plumb the forbidden it, you get the first card for free like it, it draws a card and you lose a life on its own if you sacrifice nothing if you sacrifice those four creatures you create four additional copies of plum the forbidden if you have a segmore witch on the battlefield magecraft triggers for the plum the forbidden and for every single copy you started with four pests you come out drawing five cards and creating five pests just do it all over again if you want oh yeah it, right? if you have a bastion on the battlefield or a wither bloom apprentice you mm-hmm. just drained them for mm-hmm. that five and you just drew five cards if you draw a nut and you remade your army if you drew another plum you just do it again you just keep this going. deck yeah oh yeah the deck also has four village rights to just keep popping off constantly mm-hmm. and I'm running basically in the only flex spot I can find in the deck. I'm running four copies of Valentin, Dean of the Vein, and Lisette, Dean of the Root. Because the life gain triggers from sacrificing the pest can trigger the Dean of the Root, plus the Bastion like can trigger the Dean of the Root over and over again, and just turn all your pests into five, five tramples. Sick. Yeah, I watched you yeah. do that on, on that Thursday set release. You were, you were smashing, man. That version of the deck was so far away from the way that I ended up with the one that I'm going to put out as a video mm-hmm. and the one that I tweeted out earlier today. Mm-hmm. Like the, and we can get into some of the unimpressive cards, but like when you look at this deck, we gave up on all the removal spells. Like there, there was no removal in this deck. Mm-hmm. We don't okay. even do it. We're, it's an aggressive combo burn deck. It's kind of insane. Like your opponents, like my mono red opponents, I just let them attack me. I just chip shot them, chip shot them, chip shot them, explode. 
yeah. it's it's crazy. But um, that like the eleven ten for four, like that card's a trap, in okay. my opinion. Good to know. Uh, Good to know. I what you saw me play in the early access was like a great hinge deck. No great hinge. Get rid of that. Woe Strider. I'm not even running it. I don't have room. Like you would think a sacrifice deck with Bastion of Remembrance would be all over Woe Strider. I've got no room for that card. Or removal spells. So, like, you're leaning in pretty hard on Strixhaven then, yeah? Like, this is a pretty Strixhaven-centric yeah. uh, deck, yeah. Let me let me refuel really quick. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six cards that are four ofs that are Strixhaven outside of the mana base, plus the learn board. So the whole learn sideboard is Strixhaven. Mm. The only thrown card I have in the deck is Lovestruck Beast. Kind of hard to get around it if you're playing green. Well, you have a million one ones. Yeah. And it's two yeah. bodies. It, it actually, like, it can just put them under tremendous pressure and slow them down all by itself. But then you usually just end up throwing it away to plumb. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of hilarious. Whatever. You don't even care about it eventually. It's also <laughs> just got a cheap Magecraft trigger spell, right? One mana Magecraft, yep. Magecraft trigger spell. I mean, yeah. I mean, what, what? doesn't love shark feast do that's the real question <laughs> <laughs> indeed indeed but i mean this deck is like I, i'm talking about these decks i'm holding my own i'm in mythic i've been in mythic top 400 since strixhaven launched i've been playing new decks in ranked and what am i ranked right now i'm ranked 146 all like, right i i'm not I'm not tanking my rank playing these things. I'm beating Emergent Ultimatum. I'm beating White Aggro. I'm beating Mono Red. I'm beating Rogues. It's better than I thought it was. And it's because you just can't pin down these synergies mm. until you play them. Mm -hmm. They feel totally different in play. Do you have anything about the Witherbloom deck before I introduce you to... I've got two more I want to talk about, then I want to throw it to you for a lot of historic talk. Yeah, keep, keep rolling, man. Keep rolling. All right. We both had kind of negative things to say about the Prismari spell deck. Yeah, I'm really right? curious, especially because foreshadowing, that deck's been doing surprising work in Historic. So so I'm curious to hear what it's like in Standard. Yeah, I, I remember, like, my biggest criticism is even if this was good, I was afraid I wouldn't want to play it because it feels so bad when you don't draw the enablers and you're stuck with just payoffs or vice versa. It doesn't really happen. <laughs> Because there's so many. Like, um, my Prismari spell deck has four copies of Magma Opus and four copies of Creative Outburst. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought that the situations where I just discard these to make a treasure, you're basically card disadvantaging yourself for a temporary mana source, that it would be just too sad. It's too bad, right? Mm -hmm. And then you just mm -hmm. run out of cards and you did nothing. Not really the case. The deck really doesn't run out of cards. I'm playing a lot of the adventure creatures, of course, Bone Crusher Giant and Brazen Borrower. But I also have Prismari Command, which is pretty good at moving cards along. But the fact is, you end up casting Creative Outburst and Magma Opus a lot. Hmm. And when you start casting these cards, because you get to that mana amount, either because you made treasures early or you just did hit all your land drops and the opponent stopped your Goldspan Dragon or your Torrent Sculptor that we talked about. Uh, Torrent Sculptor being the ward creature that you exile the spell yep. from the graveyard and you mm -hmm. make the big ward creature. If they do stop that, which they have a really hard time doing, a lot of sad players have played their uh, Binding the Old Gods oh, no. on, into that card. Brutal. A lot of very sad magic players. Brutal. If they, if they stop that, 
you just start casting creative outburst and magma opus every turn until they die because what do those cards do they both dig you just keep yeah. drawing more of these burn spells and you just end up going face for like two or three turns in a row until the opponent is dead but the the dragon plan is sweet too um draconic intervention is actually a really good sweeper with goldspan dragon it does something mm-hmm. Storm's Wrath can't do. You mm-hmm. sweep the board, you clear the way, but you get to keep your dragon and you keep attacking and you keep the pressure on. And it so, so that the, card has been great. So the question which we needed to answer with that card is do we reliably have a thick enough uh instant or sorcery in the graveyard when we're casting it that we, we get the damage we want? And it sounds like the answer is yes. Well, mostly when you have eight copies when you have magma opus creative outburst like you're usually going to have one yeah so getting that usually isn't hard the fail case is when you don't have those and that's the test right so the deck i'm running has four prismari commands and three mystical disputes as the other exilable cards is hitting this for three enough there are a lot of matchups where it is yeah it could be against mono yeah mono white mono red yeah like they just get wrecked Mm -hmm. pretty hard Mm -hmm. i i I have exiled boards of fervent champions robbers of the rich and annex remember it exiles i I have swept a lot of boards pretty good man Mm -hmm. yeah it feels good like what are they gonna do i've had so many games where it's like all right uh turn turn like three i sweep your board Turn four, I ca- like kill your next thing or bounce it. Uh, turn five, I play Goldspan Dragon, attack, use Brazen Borrower, Bone Crusher Giant on your next th- thing. Turn six, I creative outburst or magma opus your face. It it it's intense. I mean, it's to me, it seems like the deck is probably if you get to do the wombo combo of turn two, discard the big spell, make a treasure turn three play the impactful four drop i feel like the games in which you do that like you're pretty well favored at that point right like you're 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 a favorite to win the game so i guess my question is how consistently are you able to do that reasonably and the fallback plan isn't bad okay the fallback plan is you play adventures you cast goldspan dragon you win you cast your big spells when you draw them later because you didn't draw them early right right Right. That's not bad. That's not nearly as bad as I thought it would be. Mm, okay. It's a lot better than I thought it would be. And the the good case scenario, like it's one of the few things that you can do that just keeps up with a really good love struck beast curve. Because mm. draconic intervention, being a one sided board wipe into a goldspan dragon, just takes the wind out of the adventure decks really hard. It's pretty good, man. Yep. I'm even running Karuga. I have Karuga Companion, uh, the hippo. Okay. Okay. Um, the dinosaur hippo because. All of my spells cost three or more on the surface, mm-hmm. but between making between making a treasure, using the adventure mode of Brazen Borrower or Bone Crusher Giant, mm-hmm. casting the backside of Torrent Sculpture as Flamethrower Sonata, or possibly casting Mystical Dispute for one blue mana, I have 23 plays I can make without Damn. three lands. That's <laughs> sick, man. Yeah. 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 Man, free, the, free hippo. The hippo back from the dead got... <laughs> got laid off when they shot the forge but i get <laughs> i guess it's back on the menu for sure those, those fires of invention yeah. this feels like fires when you play goldspan and then do something else powerful the same turn and then the next turn you untap and cast a magma opus or a creative outburst it feels like you're doing a fires of invention level of power that or yeah. i've just forgotten what it was really like <laughs> yeah you're doing it like two turns later but you know you're still doing it that's sick you're, yeah yeah the le- 
Um, anything else on that one before I introduce you to one more standard yeah, deck? That sounds gas. I'm I'm killing it with. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Let's let's hear it. All right. Silver Quill, black, white, just annoying little beat down machines. This one should be called Pests, but they made a mechanic called Pests. Um, so I like you want to start thinking about this deck. I want you to think about Silver Quill Silencer, the uh, black and white three two that you name a non land card, and when they cast it, they lose three life and you draw. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's a little two drop. Yep. Uh, Elite Spellbinder, the flying 3-1 Palo Vito Damodorosa's card. You exile a card from their hand. It costs them two more to play it. Yep. Like, yep. So th- that's kind of the core. I also have four copies of Humiliate, which is the one where they reveal their hand for a white and black. You pick any card that's not a land, and you put a counter on a creature you control. Yep. Seems perfect in the deck. Yep. So we're trying to be very aggressive and very disruptive. And I have played a crazy amount of matches with Sultai Ultimatum against Sultai Ultimatum with this deck, all of which I thought I'm going to lose. Mm-hmm. How the heck am I possibly going to beat this? Mm-hmm. One of the worst things about playing Elite Spellbinder is when you know you're just screwed. You look at their hand and you're like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I don't know. This this deck is scrappy more often than not. I, I think I have an over like an 80% win rate against Ultimatum. It's it's in that area. It just finds ways to win. I've got two copies of Redain um, as well, which can be annoying. I've got four copies of Vanishing Verse. It's amazing how many times I use this card. Exile target mon- monocolored permanent. It's amazing how ta- how many times I just exile a Wolf Willow Haven, and it takes them another turn off of doing what they needed to do. Dude, yeah, disrupting those Wolf Willow Havens is huge game against that deck for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, some of the older cards that are making up the deck, I have four Usher of the Fallen because I really wanted the chance, the opportunity to humiliate and put a counter on something to be aggressive. Mm-hmm. But I'm not running Selfless Savior, and that comes up big. I'm not trying to protect these creatures. I know they will die. I'm just trying to make it as inconvenient as possible for them to die. Mm-hmm. I want them mm-hmm. to just be annoying. Uh, for Luminarch Aspirants, I think we've all figured out that card is insane. Like It's messed like up. That, like In any yeah. white aggressive deck in standard, I feel like you have to be running that card. I just, for nothing else, like the way that messes up Heartless Act is hilarious, so but good. just moving those like getting a free effect in white is so hard mm-hmm. like every other mm-hmm. every other color seems to usually have some way to get like some free effect in white it's hard but luminarch does the job i've got four learning professor of symbiology and the sideboard is mostly about academic probation i found that card to be the best white learn card because and especially in this deck where you have knowledge about their hand you just keep them from playing that key spell for another turn, and they take damage that they just can't afford to take. Or you make their creature unable to block, and you push. I mean, you know, that that actually sounds really nasty with, like, okay, so your opponent can't cast X spell for a turn. Not that good in the dark, right? But when you mm-hmm. have perfect or one card off of perfect information about their hand, that can get pretty nasty. And especially if they're, like, like, you know, let's say that you tag the Shadows Verdict with the Polo Vitor card, right? So then yep. they have to ramp extra hard to Verdict. So then they finally do that. And then on the key turn again, you disrupt them. And you don't need to disrupt like a sweeper that many turns to win a game with an aggro deck. Oh, yeah. 
I, and I love that you said Shadow's Verdict there because I think the biggest trap that you that a player might fall into grabbing this is that they see the big card like Ultimatum and they get rid of that. Yeah. They, they, they like narrow in on Ultimatum. No, 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 no. You're going to kill them before that That's happens. It. Yep, just get your opponent <laughs> yep. dead. Yep. Yep. As, a, yep. Uh, as an Ultimatum player... Like, that's the nightmare scenario. If the game goes long enough, we will win, right? So yep. the nightmare scenario is just getting beaten down, for sure. Yeah. So I do have two copies of Redain to help out with that. Um, maybe it could run more, but this deck really doesn't want the shield like other decks do. Yeah. So I think two is a good number. I have four Skyclave Apparitions. When you combine Skyclave Apparition and Vanishing Verse, you hit most of the format. You just take it out. Yeah, um, I've got, I've got two silver quill commands. I wasn't sure what it should be. Now I think it should be rankle. Mm, um, to be okay. honest, silver quill command. I I thought would just you know it's my first, my first run with silver quill. Let's try the command. But I think it's a bit too clunky, and it actually got me in trouble because I got redained by my opponent. And it's like the only card in the whole deck that you <laughs> uh, that can hilarious. get redained. Yeah. But of course, it's what I drew. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So. Felt bad. Uh, Rankle, <laughs> nice. though, would have just won me the game on the spot. And a hasty threat is probably the only thing that this deck is missing. It's it's a scrappy deck, and I like it a lot more than I did. And, yeah, it, I, I was playing it for a video before we started recording, and I started around 250, and I did peek into the top 100 for a hot second there. And nice. it's holding its own. It's better than I thought it would be. So I think something to remember about these um, disruptive, like scrappy humans styles of decks, um, a deck such as this has been terrorizing modern for years now. And the thing is like that always, they always look worse than they are. Uh Um, I mean, sometimes they're not good enough for a format and then they're just bad. But even, even when they are right for a format, they always don't look very good. They play a bunch of these dorky little, you know, one, two mana creatures. Um, a lot of their creatures don't even have that high of a power. It doesn't really look like much. But, you know, once you start, like, taking apart your opponent's hand, making their spells cast more... Um, making them not able to do things at key points in their curve. It's not like, okay, so it's these decks are kind of zero-sum in the sense that whatever they're lacking in them being a good deck, they're making up for by making your deck suck. Like yeah, so like yeah. like you <laughs> start funny. you start feeling the weaknesses of your deck real hard when your opponent is exploiting them right and yeah. sometimes just like yeah adding one or two mana i mean think about this you've now got multiple effects in your deck which is making the opponent's stuff cost not one but two mana more and like that's backbreaking like who can afford to cast their spells off off curve by two turns like that's just not gonna happen so i'll also tell you there's some weird things that come up if you spellbinder a Zareth sam the trickster they can't use that ninjutsu ability oh, at all really yeah, yeah, it's in the exile zone now. It's gone. <laughs> That's hilarious, dude. I didn't think it about is. That. <laughs> it is. I did that to somebody twice in a in a game against rogues. It was. It felt good. Oh, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Yo, how about doing it to a shark typhoon? That pretty much shuts that card down, huh? Yeah, they can't. They can't cycle it, and they have to cast. They're it They're not for gonna want to cast yeah. it for eight. Yeah, it's pretty darn okay, good. Okay, I'm. I'm feeling um, that. Uh, a quick note on the silver quill silencer. We were a little low on that card. Um, 
there's some there's an interesting thing that comes up with this card. They have to pay three life, right, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. cast their spell. What if they don't have three life? What if they're down to three? There's a lot of times mm-hmm. where I play my game around like you do the math and you're like, okay, if I hit, if I take this card this turn, then the next turn I play Silver Quill, I name this card, I cast Academic Probation. They can't play it the next turn. The next turn I attack, they're under three and they can't cast the Shadows Verdict. They're just locked out. Like that comes up. Oh yeah. It's kind of, it, it's a bigger brain deck than I even thought it should be mm-hmm. uh, because yeah, um, Silver Quill Silencer is not meddling mage, but if they only have three life or less, it is. Yeah, and I mean it hits hard for a two drop, you know. It does, especially if you're putting counters on it and stuff. Um, man, this is probably more jank than good. But um, what happens if you just have the big pig out? Then <laughs> Yashan. <laughs> yeah, Yashan. They can't do so anything, they, right? They can't pay. They can't pay life. Doesn't that card prevent paying life to pay for effects? Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. I know it works that way with Terror of the Peaks. Yeah. I made a video that was well-received around yep. the Terror of the Peaks Yasharn combo. Let me read Silencer. Uh, if they cast a spell of the chosen name, they lose three life. Oh, so they're not so paying, they're not paying it. Oh, okay. That's yeah. a bummer. Yeah. All right. I thought I'd big brain my way into a janky deck there. Too bad. Anyway, um, no, I, that does not surprise me at all that that deck can at least scrap it up. Um, I mean, it has the pieces, right? It, it has the pieces and like, I mean, and here's the other thing, man, like when you mulligan against a deck like that, you feel terrible, right? There mm-hmm. is, so, think about how many games of magic where you keep a hand and you would have mulled it, except that there's one card that's tying the room together, right? Yep. And then when your opponent just snags that card, as we've learned in historic, because it's like freaking format. Yep. Like you, they snatch that card and you're just like, oh God, like you look down at your hand and it's just like a couple of lands and an ultimatum or something. And you're just like, you already have lost that game. You know, I also want to give a lot of props to the people who named some of these cards. It's a lot more fun to say to while recording your video, I'm going to humiliate them than it is to say <laughs> yep. I'm going to thought seize them. <laughs> yep. Pretty good, man. They've, they've been thinking about this stuff, right? With cards like saw it coming. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a quick sign off on this. Uh, something that is probably even more important in, to a lot of people than the fact that I think these might actually be good. They're actually fun. Mm. Like, I'm, I'm yeah. actually enjoying playing these cards. I, you know, I liked Rogues the first five to ten times, but and, and even like Emergent Ultimatum, we talked about it. Like, we're both so off it now that it's popular. But, I mean, these decks get old. Maybe these decks I'm playing right now will get old, but man, when you wither, in that Witherbloom deck, when you cast the Plum, copy it four times, and have two Magecraft cards on the battlefield, like, 50 triggers go on the stack at, like, lightning speed, it feels, you feel like a god. Dude, did we, That's what I'm going to say. Did we make a Clover Mage out of you, CGB? I feel like we made a Clover Mage out of you. No, Clover is like, <laughs> like Clover at most you get like four, right? And you had to work for it. This is just like all in one shot and there's like 50 triggers. They're just all stacked 50. up. 50. And you have, the opponent's just like, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's awesome. we try to keep this a, a clean show language wise, but occasionally we drop the, drop the F-bomb on this podcast and... um I think I think now is a good time. So go out and have fun in standard <laughs> playing these decks. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Yeah, Fox, yeah.
box. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of which, uh, our crafty companion hasn't showed up anyway yet. But fear not. There'll be time. There'll be time. I'm still working on Lorehold. And okay. the current build does run this card. Okay. Sweet. Sweet. Well, thanks for that update. That actually does sound like a lot of fun. I will, I'm sure, dip into standard at some point over the next week and catch up on all the things that have been going there. But man, I just, Historic is like a wild west at the moment, and it is the wildest of wests. Like, let me tell you, I mean, the all of these cards that we thought were going to show up, CGB, they absolutely all did. It's like... Okay. Everyone else was reading the same cards and having the same thoughts we were and building the same decks, and those decks are sweet. So, um, I don't know. I don't even know where to start with Historic right now. First things first, like, there's just no... There's nothing more satisfying to me than a deck like Jund going from top of the format, terror of the format, do we need to ban Cat? To just like talk about humiliate. That deck has been humiliated, dude. I was playing, I'll get into this a little bit more, but just today, <laughs> I know, right? It's crying. A tear to your cry eye. A man. Tear oh. For the poor little roasted cat. <laughs> I, dude, you know who does not care about your mayhem devil cat trail of crumbs combo? Is time warp. Time Warp does not give a fluff how many triggers you're planning to put on the stack with that stupid little thing. I had yeah, the pleasure uh, of just freaking slamming the door shot 2-0 on John today with just Alrin's Epiphany, Time Warp, Brainstorm, Nissa, just, just freaking 200-ton anvil to the face. It was amazing. <laughs> enjoy your enjoy the time you have while taking extra turns is still the good guy oh man seriously. <laughs> people will people will forget very quickly i suspect seriously um, yeah definitely had some rage scoops for sure yeah for for people also just there might be some people out there i know we talk about on the cast pretty awesome pretty often but maybe they haven't heard the the thing about cat oven is it's incremental damage, incremental value. It piles up very quickly. That's what makes it so effective in like the best deck. And the way to beat incremental advantage is just go over the top combos of cards that just do overpowered things and knock you out of the ballpark in one one big move. Uh, or in this case, like a bunch of moves in a row where yeah. time warp just never gives them another turn. You know? Yep, that's it. So, so yeah, so. I think another reason why Jund has fallen from favor in one fell swoop is that, um, so if you look historically at the historic format, see what I did there unintentionally, because I'm clever. Um, they So the format over the last couple of months, I mean, it's been this way for a long time, but especially over the last couple of months, it has really congealed around creature decks, which is kind of hilarious because, you know, most older and more broken formats are like, they're either creature light or the creatures that they do play are like very strategically surgically placed in the deck to do exactly what the deck needs to do and then they're usually just going off with flurries of cheap ridiculous spells um or built around like one really big spell so historic's been kind of a unique format in that it's been kind of like the broken creature format in standard for a while now and we see that with jund creature deck um, Aura's creature deck, Goblin's creature deck. Um, even some of the like lesser players in Historic, like um, 
the uh you know the the seagate stormcaller combo that's another good yep. example of a creature yep. deck um you know we've got like tier two decks like the angels deck um vampire deck it's just like historic is freaking has been loaded up with creatures and like i'll tell you what just doesn't care about your creature deck is like mizix's mastery picking up a big sorcery from the graveyard on turn three does not care about your creature deck yeah uh well we'll put that one back on the screen on the video one but yeah uh, so tell me like what kind of big spells what's mastery doing okay so mizzix's mastery is definitely one of the first spells that i saw a lot of people go to you know it's, uh, pillars of the format such as ali eldrazi um and for good reason so i'll read this card again uh three and a red sorcery at mythic exile target card that's an instant or sorcery from your graveyard for each card exiled this way copy it and you may cast the copy without paying its mana cost exile mizix's mastery so this card is as good as you would imagine it would be when it is allowing you to cast i don't know a seven mana sorcery on turn three Pretty I mean, good. it's got to be really hard to get those things in the graveyard, right? I mean, it's got to be really hard, except that we're playing Historic, right? I mean, it's it's not even necessarily that hard to do it in Standard. And Historic is just like next next level of, you know, cantrips. And, oh, I don't know, they just introduced a card to the format uh, known as Faithless Looting, which tends to be pretty good at getting your cards into the graveyard it also which they they banned it from uh bigger formats for, yes. for doing such a good job it also yeah. happens to be red that's very convenient you don't even have to play a different color to put both of those in the same deck so that card also has has a buyback a flashback right so um so basically the upshot of this is that faithless looting along with a you know tactical other number of discard spells along with Mizzix's mastery allows you to basically assemble like any top end like spell based top end combo you want so there's a lot of different things that you can be doing with this deck obviously Aaron's Epiphany is a great target uh, any you know time warps a great target um, any ultimatum is a great target um, and then people have been doing these like uh, I think it's scholar of the ages combos um where okay so this is where it starts to get really sick okay so okay. let me let me pull up this card because i'm uh, it has a lot of text on it it does take me on a journey i i know it's like seven mana for a five five and then i have if you ask me to tell to talk about the text i'm not is sure it, what let's i would see. say is it scholar of the ages or scholar of the lost trove people might actually I be think it's lost trove yeah okay that's what it is scholar of the ages is not bad as well but lost trove i think is the one Okay, so yeah, so this is five blue blue five five. It is a flying creature, and when Scholar of the Lost Trove enters the battlefield, you may cast target instant sorcery or artifact card from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. If an instant or sorcery cast this way will be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead. So basically, these this is like extra copies of Mizix's mastery in your deck especially when you're running another fun instant or sorcery known as unburial rites which also gets this back from the graveyard okay so <laughs> okay. what we're talking about cgb is a hell of a lot of action that you can get as soon as you reach four mana right which happens like... on turn three or four okay and yes like trust me when you reanimate scholar of the lost trove on turn three 
reanimating a seven mana sorcery, you're a massive favorite to win that game. So, <laughs> okay, and, and and we can do that with some of the cards that we talked about before from Strixhaven, right? Um, Magmum, Magma yep. Opus, Magma right? Opus Where you can up discard it, make a treasure, Absolutely. and then you have turn four Umburial Rites or um, the Mastery. Yeah, you can even, I mean, Historic has some good mana rocks, so you can even do something like turn one Faithless Looting, um, you know, turn two Mind Stone, and you're already off to the races on, on turn three, um, if things work out. There's just, there's a lot of different ways that you can build this deck. Um, you know, you can do like an, an ultimatum plan, right? So Sultai Ultimatum's already been kind of a thing in Historic, and you can make like an accelerated combo oh, version, like a four-color ultimatum deck. So nearly every card we talked about was monocolor. Exactly. The Mastery is monocolor. The Epiphany and the Time Warp are monocolor. The Umburial yep. Rites is monocolor. The Sphinx is monocolor. Oh, yep. man. So, so you could just discard to Faithless Looting an ultimatum uh, on turn one. The next turn, you make a treasure with a Magma Opus. Turn three, you reanimate a Scholar or, or cast the Mizium thingy, and you cast ultimatum on turn three. Yep. It's, Am I? What the hell? It's, I mean, it. In addition to being actually broken, one of the things this deck just has a lot of is redundancy and fallback. Right. So it's gnarly because, like, you know, like they they get to do the broken thing on the cheap in the early turns of the game, and then as soon as they reach the mid or the late game, they can just start slamming haymakers. You know. So it's kind of like in a deck that plays so many expensive cards and has so much velocity with cards like Faithless Looting, what it means is that at just about every turn of the game, your opponent can be threatening to do something really busted and really nasty. And they can be like one looting, one cantrip, one card draw, one turn away from just burying you. So anyway, there's a lot of different ways that you can build these decks. And a lot of it just comes down to what your weapons of choice are. Um, you know, you you take a look at the ultimatums, you take a look at your other handful of cards like Magma Opus. Um, there's just a lot of different top ends that you can have in this deck. And yeah, it's it's nasty. Do you like nice cat oven dude? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it, man. Mayhem Devil just his on his little tricycle, not looking so hot anymore. Um, so that's a whole, like, that's just a whole branch of decks. I expect to see people iterating on that kind of to an insane degree. We may eventually discover, like, the best Mizzix's Mastery, um, deck in the format, but who knows, you know? And here's the other thing is that with each, th this is the problem with cards like Faithless Looting, Mizzix's Mastery, Alloran's Epiphany, etc., is that these are cards that are just begging to be broken and exploited with each new set, right? And so right. it's just like any time you see a banger, you know, you, you can just consider putting that in your historic deck. So yeah, it's uh, so that's just one of the nasty things that happened to me. I'll tell you what, a combo that I died to a lot on day one involved grinning Ignis. So ah, yeah, I know this one. This is yeah. uh, this card is not to be slept on in combo shells. Grinning Ignis, two and a red for a two-two elemental creature, and it has the rules text: pay a red mana, return Grinning Ignis to its owner's hand, add 
Uh, generic mana, generic mana, red mana for a total of three mana. Activate only as a sorcery. So this card, what this card allows you to do is build very, very simple infinite looping combos with cards such as Runaway Steamkin and Bergy, which are both legal and historic and both red. And so you can very easily just assemble a two card combo just storm off and what did they just add to the format a bunch of storm cards and so you can just build a mono red deck which is full of all your favorite you know light up the stages and runaway steamkins and etc etc and just finish your opponent off with grape shot which is every bit as good as you said it was going to be cgb <laughs> so yeah pew pew yep i mean grape shot kills you real quick once you get this little loop going like i was saying before creatures can still rule this format if you're doing stuff like this so i saw a number of different shells for this mono red which was pretty good actually it was pretty good on its own i saw a teamer build that was kind of like an elementals build because the ignis is an elemental so there you go. Hmm. The team of build also lets you, of course, cast one of the still best cards in Historic, which is Collected Company. So if you get to... With Risen Reef. That's, that's what I'm saying, Ooh. man. I mean, Ooh. you can see where oh we're going goodness. with this, right? Oh my goodness. So anyway, it's just more combo shenanigan. I think if there's one thing that I want people to take away from this episode, it's that Historic is officially a combo format. Your your mid-range deck sucks. Yeah, dude. That's what it is. <laughs> like, goblins might be too slow for Historic now. Ugh. Which is, which is something. That's just something, okay? Something to think about. It's hard to say where this is all going to come down, right? Because obviously, it's one thing for a deck to look flashy on day one and no one's prepared for it. It's another thing when, you know, people figure out which pieces they need to kill, which spells they need to counter, which stuff they need to thought seize. Flash news tip, Thoughtseize is still very good. The card that I lose to the most often playing the stupid taking turns deck that I've put together is just Thoughtseize. So, gotcha. Yep, still good. If you if you want to have a chance in Historic and you don't want to be doing busted things, definitely Hand Disruption is one of the better things to be doing. Or, you know, Hand Disruption into busted things. There you go. There you go. So yeah. it's kind of funny, though, because there's now a rock, paper, scissors aspect to Thoughtseize. Let's say that you look at your opponent's hand and they have Faithless Looting, 7-drop Sorcery, 7-drop Sorcery, blah, 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 blah. And they're kind of like any of these cards can, you know, Unburial Rights, right? You sort of don't feel good about snatching on barrel rights out of your opponent's hand so there are definitely decks that are actually going to be exploiting your thought seizes so you do need to be thinking about that as well so another deck which is probably fairly immune to thought seize i would imagine is the phoenix decks and yes phoenix is back very good now that's i was just gonna say cgb i still have no idea how good Phoenix is. <laughs> he's he's got his furrowed brow. CGB on the spot <laughs> right now. The people want the hot takes. Okay, is our Clark Phoenix good? We need to know. <laughs> here's here's my hot take. It's much better than it used to be. I still don't know whether it's good enough. 
I think Phoenix is still two really good cards away from being really good. It's just so hard to know right now because the format is so up in the air. It does feel a little early accessy in that you fire up a match, someone does a big thing on your face and you're like, wow, that looked impressive. And then the next game, it just totally <laughs> freaking fizzles. So yeah, I'm- Oh, that phrasing. <laughs> <laughs> we try to keep it clean here on the Arena Craft Podcast. Yeah, I'm I'm giving a solid meh on the on the Phoenix deck. So okay. I'm gonna re-examine Phoenix once what's it called? Thing in the Ice re-enters the format. Okay. Which I think is going to happen within the year. I think Wizards would be foolish not to do the Innistrad remaster, especially because they're going to Innistrad this year. So I think that that's one of the things that the deck lacks. Even even though you have a lot of uh, velocity with Faithless Looting and all of this card draw and stuff, you still need to find your Phoenixes. So this is one of the reasons why the deck has been good in Modern, is that it had cards like Thing in the Ice, which can just bounce your opponent's board, make what is essentially a hasty 7-power attacker, which is kind of a, it's a board control and an alternate win con. And I think that the deck is missing something like that. Like if the Phoenix plan gets disrupted, if your opponent gets a Graph Digger's Cage down, then you're going to need something else to do. Now, I've seen what I've seen some people do is move away from like your straight up, is it Phoenix deck, into just incorporating the Phoenix plan into another Faithless Looting deck, right? So I've actually seen some people play these Phoenixes in their Mizzix Mastery decks, and they just play a bit of a lower curve, probably less hits off the Mastery, and it's kind of like an alternate win con for the deck. I've also seen people play Phoenix in these Grinning Ignis decks. So I have no idea whether that's a good thing to do or not. But just to give you an idea, like Phoenix is freaking showing up, man. I, I'm getting that impression. <laughs> it's it's happening, dude. Okay. And just like all of the other traps in Magic, a lot more often than it should. Keep an eye on it. I think the combination of Faithless Looting and Phoenix is strong. It's undeniably, it's a proven strong combo. So the question is just whether the rest of the cards in the shell are good enough to support it. I would say if you're someone who was already invested in Phoenix, if you already had the pieces from previous standard or historic, give it a try, man. And who knows? We, you know, someone might crack the code on it. I'm casting the Hooglandia open tomorrow, which is historic because Jeff Hoogland was more excited about the cards for historic than for standard. And rightfully so, I think. I think that most of the community has gone that direction in the hype train. So... What I'm just looking around online, I don't know what's going to show up tomorrow morning, but I have a feeling there'll be a lot of Arclight Phoenix and a lot of Time Warp. Like, those are the two things I'm, like, pretty sure will be there. But it does seem like a ridiculously wide-open format right now, and just everything looks broken. Everything looks nuts. I look at every single one of those and I'm like, well, if I'm on the draw and my opponent opens and they're playing that deck, I'll probably just look at my hand and be like, yeah, okay. (laughs) So my first draft for the format was what ended up being a pretty lukewarm bent extra turns deck. And after playing four matches with it and winning one, my conclusion was not broken enough. I think Sam Black was... The person I remember saying this about 
the Pioneer format when it was first spoiled and people were first brewing for it, he was like, if you're not trying to get a deck banned, you're not doing it right in this format. And that's yep. how you should be thinking about Historic right now. If you don't look at your deck and think, oh, oh God, oh God, that's going to be horrendously broken, probably not good enough. Yeah, if you look at your cards and you're like, ooh, I could play that 3-2 Witch with Menace and I could play Young Pyromancer and I could play a spell and make two one ones, right? Like that like that that's cute. That's not that ain't that ain't the way. Yeah, your deck needs to be making like an infinite army of hasty one ones in historic if you're planning to win that way at the moment. I switched to just a straight up Simic taking turns deck. I have no idea whether it's good, but it's a lot more broken, and I've been winning a lot more games with it. So other cards to look out for, definitely Brainstorm is a house. Oh, it's a Brainstorm's good. It's an instant fixture in the format. Yeah, who knew? Who would have thought? Who knew? Who would have thought? I actually added Evolving Wilds to my deck to get extra fetch lands because Brainstorm is so good. Is it okay. the right thing to do? I have no idea. But I'll tell you what, man. Like brainstorming and then just freaking shuffling away those bad cards feels amazing so ali aldrazi i believe tweeted that the best card in the mystical archive is narset there you go and yep. and i immediately knew what he meant because yep. i'm immediately thinking of brainstorm faithless looting and just uh narset parter of veils right just yep. not letting them draw cards so it's good on, so important it's good on both ends okay so when your opponent's brainstorming narset shuts it down like news news flash if your opponent plays narset do not cast brainstorm you will get unbelievably hosed um, same with faithless, faithless same looting, with faithless looting yeah it's it's not cool man don't try it okay the other thing is that if you are a brainstorm mage and you have narset you can play brainstorm you can put a bunch of crap back on the top of your deck and then you use narset's ability and you know you choose something and the rest of those cards just get swiffered away and so, narset also helps you find more time warps Exactly. So it just works with all the good cards from the archive. So this is this is basically my deck, CGB. I I basically took out everything which wasn't brainstorm, Narset, extra turns, Nissa, ramp. That's the deck. That's the deck. And no fogs, no interaction, no counters. I mean, just a little little boom. bit of little bit of counters. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I mean, that was a little hyperbolic. But yes, the deck the deck basically runs. I did try a few copies of I I I will never remember the name of that counter spell, but it's the two mana one that puts the card on top of the deck. Mind memory lapse. Memory lapse. I yeah. I have a memory lapse in my brain around this card. I will never remember the name of it. So I'm running a couple copies of memory lapse. Um, I have a couple brazen borrowers just to like slow down any kind of creature combo stuff like that. Of course. You should replace those with more time walks. I mean, I am <laughs> I am running eight time walks in the deck. Um, this continuity, let's go. Twelve. Get yeah, that there out. There you go, Get man. Twelve. We even we can even go sixteen with Khan's temporal sundering. <laughs> that sounds like a CGB video in the making. Mm. But yeah, you know, after you put in the lands and the nissas uh, and the rest of the cards. Oh, I also have a couple copies of Search for Azcanta. 
Okay. Which is also a really, really good combo with Faithless Looting. You get to get rid of at least one. I'm sorry, Brainstorm. You get to get rid of at least one of those cards you put back. Nice. There's a lot of these little like sideways combos where you can't get away both of them, but you can like get one of them out of the way and keep the ball rolling. By the way, just getting rid of one of them is pretty busted too. Oh, dude, it's sick. Like, yeah, like you got sick. three cards deeper by casting the spell so that you have the right cards in the right places. The fact yeah. that you can get a re- turn even one of them into a random draw is nuts. Yeah. And then, I mean, it just gets even better, right? So here are some other things you can do. Search for Azkanta is actually a really good combo with Brainstorm because, again, you put some stuff on the top of your deck and then you search for Azkanta. That's another thing that you can do. You can also untap Search for Azkanta with Nyssa. You can also use Search for Azkanta... To, well, it's, I guess it's as Canter the Sunken Ruin to just find yourself more time warps. So, <laughs> basically, this is the kind of deck that I think CGB would enjoy playing. It is, it's very broken. I honestly don't know whether it's good enough for the format. Um, it can be very awkward. I've definitely correlated losing games with not drawing Brainstorm. That's the thing that happens. I also don't know quite what the mix is of ramp in this deck because... Yeah, I don't know. You just you can't run that many things like Hydroid Crisis. You can't run as much top end in a deck like this because your top end is freaking eight copies of Time Walk. So it can be a little bit fragile. Sometimes Time Walking and doing a bunch of Alarin's Epiphanies don't get you out of a losing game state, um, which has been one of the weaker aspects of the deck. But overall, it's been pretty good, and uh, my win rate went up a lot when I stopped messing around, trying to like interact so much, and I started just leaning into the like taking all the turnsness of the deck. Did you try Tamio? I did not try Tamio. Yeah, that's that's next on the agenda. I thought that that was a little win more, but it's possible that that's what glues the deck together. I got more excited about Tamiyo when I remembered that most people are just going to run their thought seizers right into it, and that's going to feel freaking amazing. So it will. It Tam- will. Tamiyo has that clause, and I think there's it's more what, text. It's it's <laughs> uh, you can't the players can't force you to discard cards or sacrifice permanence. Is that what it says? That's right. It is. And um, boy, that's a that's a real good card in Thoughtseize dot format. Yeah, so, yeah, between that and Narset, you just always get somebody a little. Yep, yep. So it might be good enough. It might be good enough. Um, I mean, heck, like, she also helps you dig for your time warps and stuff. Um, I don't know. I just, like, this is my problem with Tamio is that I feel like Historic is a format that's especially hostile to, like, random mopey farm out of Planeswalkers. Well, let me pitch you a combo. Have you, have you considered Tamio and Brainstorm? So do you so what you brainstorm and then you Tamio? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean you can either name the card that you did want and get rid of the other, or just not name either one and away they go into the graveyard. I mean, sounds good, man. Sounds good. Um that is I will say that the most difficulty I've had playing the deck so far is like figuring out how to bridge between the early turns and the late winning turns, you know? And what typically happens is that's usually where the game is won or lost, is that if your opponent mounts a strong enough offensive and you can't, you just, there's not space in the deck for that much interaction. Sometimes you just get got. Um, Or if the opponent like 
makes a valiant attempt but it's not good enough and they can't disrupt you then they just lose so anyway that's the i think that's the weakness of the deck and something i'm gonna have to work on more okay what the people want to know dude yep here's what the people want to know all right lay it on me how long till something gets banned yeah that's that's a really good question okay so here's the good news there is no one card or combo which is like immediately the omnath thing in historic so they've done a good job of being like okay we dropped a nuclear bomb into the format we're just going to drop a bunch of laser beams as well and we're also going to drop some alien spaceships and they've put enough technology in the format that no one thing is just feeling like the godzilla of this format for these first couple of days it just feels like this kind of chaos of invention and things seem to be duking it out quite well against each other there's not going to be like any week one bans like i feel safe to say that i actually don't even know if there's going to be a ban i would give it a minimum one month to see a ban in historic interesting yeah all right i will go i will say may 15th or earlier do you want to take the other direction yep let's do it okay yeah cool. I, I i don't know what to bet on this just bragging rights on this podcast are usually enough. That's, yep, just a, a dagger for, for the many times I've sent them your way. <laughs> yes. A right. tally I mean, I'm going to say, I'm going to say prior to May 15th, and I honestly don't know why. Um, I don't, this is not grounded in great logic. I just like the, com- I just like having something, yeah. a little something to watch for. No, I, th- I think it's great. Yeah, I I don't think that you are silly for thinking that. I just think that after playing the format for a couple of days, I think it's going to take a while for it to shake out. I might be wrong, but I think it's going to take a while for it to shake out. Man, when the, when they have a league weekend that's historic and everybody's on like some turn two win. Yep, we'll, we'll, we see. See. we'll see. We, we shall, see. shall see. Anyway, yeah, if, if you're someone who's been holding off on historic, now's a great time to get in. Another cool thing to note is that a lot of the cards that we spoke about slot very nicely into existing decks. So it's probably likely that if you played Historic at any point in the past, you could kind of look through your collection and find a deck and be like, oh snap, I could just put four Brainstorms into this deck. And also Brainstorm is only a rare. It's only a rare, it's not even a mythic. So try it out. I remember when it was a common. (laughs) Back in the days of yore. Back when we cracked lotuses in every pack. Oh, oh, those, those were the days. Yeah, those days. <laughs> those days. <laughs> anyway. All right. And with that little nostalgia trip, I think that's going to wrap up the podcast for today. Any closing thoughts, CGB, before this crazy next week of Arena? Well, the people in the comments and my fans and in the twitch chat i'm grateful to all of you you're great but you also do love to dagger me when i'm wrong so i'm gonna get try to get ahead of it and say that strixhaven is a lot more fun than i thought it would be and possibly more powerful than i ever expected so uh perfectly happy to be wrong about that uh very happy quite frankly to be wrong about that so dagger me uh, i i'm a big boy i deserve it i can take it and uh i'm just excited to have enthusiasm for cards i want to play it's great sweet awesome that's exactly how i'm feeling and i haven't even gotten into limited or standard yet so plenty for me to explore and i'm really stoked yep i i i feel like 
one format on Arena will be sweet for you right now. If you're someone who's played Arena in the past, there is a format currently on Arena that's going to be fresh and sweet for you to play. So just go and figure that one out. All right, awesome. Thanks again for listening to or watching this episode of the Arena uh, Arena Craft Podcast. Just want to give another shout out to y'all on YouTube because this has been blowing up on CGB's channel. And I'm just, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of us. I'm proud of everybody, Galaxy Brain. So, yep, drop a comment. Tell us what was great. Tell us what we suck and got wrong. Oh, I want to hear your predictions for the bannings, all right? Are you are you guys on the CGB side or are you on the Arjuna side? So let's, let's see what's going on there. Absolutely. And feel free to let us know what's going to get banned. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually genuinely interested. I, I just want to get more opinions on it. So yeah, uh, you can find this podcast on Spotify. You can find it on just about any podcast platform. We even have a website. You can go listen to it there. You can watch this on Covert Go Blue's YouTube channel. Just search Covert Go Blue. You'll, you'll find it. Uh, you can see CGB streaming on Twitch. He streams during the week and on the weekends. And uh, I also have been streaming a bit more on Twitch lately because I've also been playing a lot of Magic Legends which is a game I really enjoy streaming. So stop by. It's uh, twitch.tv forward slash arenacraftpodcast. All right, CGB, I am eager in anticipation of chatting with you next week about the evolutions of both of these formats. Absolutely. Can't wait. Later, crafties. <laughs>